Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayer for attention to 2 Chronicles chapter 18 and reading for our text part of verse 31. It is the last part, but Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him and God moved them to depart from him. The whole verse reads, It came to pass, when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God moved them to depart from him. 2 Chronicles 18 Verse 31, before us is the account of Ahab and of Jehoshaphat. And it is the account of Ahab's death, how he was uh, to be killed. But it is this morning upon my spirit to speak of Jehoshaphat and how, even though he'd walked with the wicked, even though he'd done things wrong, yet when he came into this great time of trouble, he cried unto the Lord, and the Lord helped him. Sometimes we might be tempted, if our troubles are self-procured, and most of them are, then we can't cry to the Lord because we've got ourselves into that trouble. But here we have the Lord appearing for Jehoshaphat in this situation. And when we think of our Lord speaking of himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd, we wouldn't think of a shepherd looking at a sheep that has got itself through the wire into the ditch, upside down, and saying, well, you foolish sheep, you got yourself into that trouble, get yourself out of it. He'd go over, he'd use his shepherd's crook, he'd pull it out, he'd bring it back. That's what the shepherd's for. And that's what the Lord does with his people. He shouldn't make us careless and indifferent we should be very careful that we don't walk in ways that we get ourselves into real trouble and where we shouldn't be. We shouldn't sin that grace might abound. But when we do sin, and when we do fall, we're to know that we have a good God that shall deliver and save us. In this account, this is an account of the real life and in Ahab's case his death of people that have lived here below. These are not cunningly devised fables, they're not stories that uh, do not relate to people's lives. They are part of the word of God which we are told was written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. 
And we are also reminded that not only are we to learn from the lives of others and especially those that God has chosen to record their lives and what they have been through in his holy word, but we also are to learn from our own lives, from our own experiences, from the experience of those that we see round about us firsthand, who to take notice and take knowledge of these things and to learn from them. And so it is with that end I desire to bring the word before us this morning. We have two characters, two kings, one, one of God's dear people, one of them, one of the most wicked kings that Israel ever had. And yet here we find them together, going to battle together. Well, I want to then look firstly at Jehoshaphat and his error in loving and joining with those that hate the Lord. Secondly, how he cried to the Lord when surrounded by the enemy. And there'll be times in our lives that we feel surrounded by adversaries, enemies within and without. Or Jehoshaphat, he cried to the Lord. And then thirdly, how the Lord answered his cries. Sometimes we can have preconceived ideas as to how the Lord will answer our prayers. And we are reminded of that in this account too. Just notice how the Lord answered Jehoshaphat. But firstly, I want to look at Jehoshaphat's error. And dear friends, we, we are not left in any doubt uh, about the error of what he did. Because if we read through into the next chapter, in chapter 19, we read how Jehu the son, in verse 2, Jehu the son of Hanani the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from, the, from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land and hast prepared thine heart to seek God. And so we are told there by God himself through his servant that what Jehoshaphat did was wrong. Now it seemed to be quite a failing with Jehoshaphat because we find him doing the same thing with Ahab's son. So if we go to chapter 20 and then we look at the Verses from verse 35, uh, we read there, And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. 
and he joined himself with him, not this time to go to battle, but to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in Ezion Geba. Then Eliezer, the son of Donovan of Meresha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works. And the ships were broken, that they were not able to go to Tarshish. And so it seems to be a failing with Jehoshaphat that he had that propensity to join to the ungodly. He learned his lesson from this time. If we read in the other account in Kings, we read that there were those that offered to go with Jehoshaphat's seamen in the ships and he would not let them. He learned his lesson. It's a good thing when God stops us that we don't keep trying to push and we go ahead irrespective of him. But you might think, why, why is it that Jehoshaphat had this failing? Uh, and one reason will be because when he says that in uh, verse 2, chapter 18, uh, verse 2, or no, verse 3, he says, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, we will go with thee in the war. In one sense they were, because they were all of the tribes of Israel. The ten tribes under Ahab, and then Judah and Benjamin under uh, Jehoshaphat. So uh, it is, you might say, a family connection. But here is a great warning because on one hand we've had a connection with ties of blood, a connection on a natural level. On the other hand, we have two people, two kings in this case, that could not have been more different. One of them had prepared his heart to seek God. The other one hated God, hated his servants, did not want to hear from them the truth. And then even when he heard the truth, though his conscience was pricking him and so that he wanted to disguise himself, yet he took the prophet putting him in prison and afflicting him. And yet Jehoshaphat, he desires to serve the Lord and seek the Lord. And so we have a situation here. Jehoshaphat will join in war because of the family connections. Later on, he will join in sending ships to uh, Tarshish because of the connection again. And each time, God marks him for it. Now, Lord, when he was upon earth, he says that he came not to send peace, but division. And that division was within a family, the father against the son, the son against the father, a man's foes are they of his own household. 
It is said, I will take you, and they shall be uh, two of a family and one of a city, bring you to Zion. Many, many times the Lord does not call everyone in a family. And we are not to put family ties and say, well, because we have one family, we're going to all join together with the family business. We're going to all be under one purse and all gather together in, in one business. And it might be said, well, one member of the family, they're going to be the hands-on of the business and the others are going to do clerical work or maybe even just financially support it. But they're all together under one agreement, in, in, in bound together and yet having very, very different values. And we are not to do it. This is a path I have walked and uh, been delivered, not, not walked in it, but it is a path that there will be consequences. There, there will be things that you miss out on uh, and benefits maybe of inheritance or uh, of a family business for choosing that way. We cannot, we must not, if we fear the Lord, join with those that are ungodly and have a completely different worldview, completely different outlook on life. May we be reminded of the difference between heaven and hell, between a child of the devil and a child of God, between those that are lost and those that are saved, those that love the Lord and those that hate the Lord, those that are of the world, and those that our Lord said, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. We need to be reminded that we are not to put fleshly ties as if some excuse that we cannot separate. Come ye out from among them, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. You shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Now, we're not to have a spirit, stand by thyself, for I am holier than thou. We're not to have a spirit that makes out that we hide ourselves from our own flesh. No, it's not that. There's some cults that do that. If you leave that cult, you're not to have anything to do with your family, your loved ones, your wife, your children at all. They're terrible, terrible cults to teach in that way. When the Lord calls by grace, even if it is in a marriage bond, one is called, the other is not. That bond is still there. The word of God is clear. Paul preaches, and God teaches through Paul in Corinthians that if the unbelieving is pleased to dwell with the believing, then they are to dwell. The children are blessed through that union. But if there are two that are unmarried, and then it is wrong that one that fears the Lord should enter into a binding marriage union with an unbeliever that is going completely against the word of God. How can two walk together except they be agreed? But where we already are in a family, where we already are in a marriage union, we are not to dissolve that. 
we are to, uh, as much as lieth within us, live peaceably unto all men. But there's a very big difference between going and visiting family who do not fear the Lord, seeing them, having some hours with them, communing, fellowship with them on a natural family level, as to then writing a contract and going into a binding agreement. There's a very big difference that you can just walk away, you can go back to your own home, you can live your life, they can live theirs, but you still have a natural love, a natural affection as much as life within you. And that is to be done, uh, not to just be shunned and to uh, just ignore or even to hate those who are not yet called. And I, I say that advisedly, not yet called, because I hope we all pray for those, especially of our kindred flesh, that do not yet know the Lord, that they will know the Lord. And may by our behaviour, and by our actions we recommend that and certainly saying that we cannot join with them in business or ventures or things where we are bound up together but because of the difference may even be used by the Lord used by the Lord to make them see there is a difference but here then it is really highlighted what a difference there was. Here is Ahab when he wants to go down, he's just going to go down, but Jehoshaphat wants guidance. He wants to know what the Lord would have him to do. I hope we're like that. And really that's one big test of are those that we're intending to do things with willing to ask direction of the Lord? Well, Ahab, you might say, was. But he chose out his own prophets. We're not told here that they are prophets of Baal, but they most likely were. But we're just told they are prophets, and he had many of them. And they all spoke the same thing. You know, there's not safety in numbers when those numbers are not speaking the truth. And then we have Jehoshaphat discerning these prophets are not the prophets of the Lord. He is saying, is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides? And Ahab does know one. He's known him before. It's very obvious later on when Micaiah goes along with the messenger's suggestion that he speaks the same as the others with one consent, and he mockingly just imitates them. And Ahab recognises it. He's done it before. We're not told of that in the Word of God, but it's very evident. Now, when Ahab says, How often shall I adjure thee that thou say nothing but the truth? It to me in the name of the Lord, verse 15. Also in verse 7, he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. And always the implication is, he had prophesied many times to him. He had warned him, he had corrected him. 
But Ahab didn't want it. He didn't like to be corrected. He didn't want to be held in by the word of God. He wanted to hear the false prophets. And this becomes even more evident when Micaiah reveals to him what actually had happened in the court of heaven. You might say, how can God be the author of evil? How can God send spirits to be lying spirits? Well, God can direct uh, and those that are evil spirits, wrong spirits, uh, we think of Satan giving permission and all what he did to Job. Job, God is not the author of what Satan did, but God had to give Satan permission. And here in this case, not only was it the case that a lying spirit was put in his prophets, but God, in the goodness of his heart, He told Ahab what he'd done. He told why it had been done. He was being enticed to go down to battle and be killed. And Ahab is told in very clear, with no uncertainty, why this has taken place. And he chooses to ignore it. He chooses to just ignore the warnings that have been given him. It's a most solemn, most searching passage. Really, in a way, this is repeated the world over, where men, women, children, they're warned very, very clearly. I have had those I've spoken to in schools, I've had those spoken to here at the chapel, and they have been clearing their minds, they're saying what you're saying then, if I go on in the course of my life and if I do not believe, then I will go to hell. I said, exactly, you will. And they walk away and they continue on in their way and never seen in the house of God. And they've said with their own mouth how they have understood what God's verdict is. Man truly is fallen. And he can be warned and warned and know that warning and yet still somehow think it will not happen. It will not come to him. He will escape God's hand. He will not. We will not. What God has said will come to pass. And this account very clearly shows this. Ahab couldn't, even though he disguised himself, he couldn't escape God's arrow. A man just going out, shooting in the air at nothing, not aiming at any particular man. And God sends that arrow straight into the joints of Ahab's harness and Ahab is killed. But the important thing here is that real difference between one that is the Lord's and one that is not. One that will listen to the word, one that will not one that is determined to go on his own way, even in the face of warnings. The Lord's people, they are not to join together. They are to have discernment and they are to separate. Come ye out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. 
Ye shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What fellowship is light with darkness? And may we think of this. This account, Jehoshaphat is delivered, but it could easily have resulted in his death. He could easily, if the Lord had not heard him and saved him, then he could easily have been killed in the place of Ahab. He had the king's robes on, Ahab did not. If it was not for the Lord, naturally speaking, he would have been killed. We should not trifle. We should not think that, well, uh, no harm will come of joining with the ungodly. This is a willing joining. It's not in the case of like the Apostle Paul when he was a prisoner and he was on a ship with the Roman soldiers, with other prisoners, and then the Lord sends the hurricane and they're all in fear of their lives. The Lord stands by him, delivers him and those that are with him. Paul hadn't chosen to go that way. Providence brought him there. He was there. That is a different thing. But where we have the choice, really the answer that Jehoshaphat should have said to Ahab, Instead of saying, I am as thou art, he should have said, You do not fear the true and living God. I fear the God of Israel. How can I go with you? How can I join with you in battle when you do not worship the God of Israel? I will not go with you. That's how he should have answered. But he didn't. And he just viewed it from a natural perspective. Is this a timely word for some hearing the word here this morning? Are there those associations that are before you, decisions to be made, joining together with those that are not the Lord's people and walking with them uh, in a way that you're entrapped with it? The Lord deliver you from doing the same error and same sin as Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was one of the Lords in spite of what he did and the Lord delivered him. But may we learn from that error that was one that he not only did once but twice. And we can have the same propensity putting really family before the Lord and before the word of God. We want to look then secondly, that in spite of his error, then the place that he came into, how he cried unto the Lord. And it was when he was surrounded by the enemy. What a picture we have here. The captains of the chariots, they saw Jehoshaphat. They said, it is the king of Israel. And there they are all round about him, all round about him to kill him. But then he cries. He prays unto the Lord. 
What a turning point in Psalm 107. They fell down, there was none to help, then they cried unto the Lord. Not a reminder that it is never too late to pray, to cry unto the Lord for help and for deliverance. How hopeless the case might have seemed, completely surrounded by the enemy, death really staring him in the face, and yet he cries to the Lord. What an encouragement this passage is for us to cry unto the Lord. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. Jehoshaphat is not the last one to, to do so, or first one. We think of Jacob, and Jacob, he had deceived his father. He had stolen the birthright, as it were, from Esau. He'd had the 20 years with Laban. The Lord had been merciful to him, blessing him at Bethel, helping him, even though Laban changed his wages 10 times. But then when he returns... And he's walking the way the Lord directed him to. But then Esau comes and Jacob, he has to tell the Lord in prayer how fearful he is of Esau, how it would have brought back all what he'd done against Esau, the trouble he brought himself into. But how that he wrestled with the Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And the Lord delivered him and saved him. He saw his brother as the face, as the face of an angel. And yet, dear Jacob, he, he feared for himself, he feared for the little ones. It must have been a very bleak, very trying day. And yet this trouble is right from own flesh and blood. And we cannot help thinking, of course, in... Like the very first martyr, Abel, slain by his own brother. And why? Because his brother hated the Lord. His brother did not serve the Lord, did not care to follow the Lord's uh, direction as to the blood sacrifice. And yet Abel served the Lord. And so just because of that, he slew him. The Lord said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them. And it was through envy our Lord and Saviour uh, was crucified. We think of the case of David when he fled from Saul, and he went to the Philistines. And the Philistines recognised him as David, who had uh, killed Goliath, one of their number. And... Really, his life was in danger. The Philistines compassing, surrounding him. And yet we read the Psalm 34, how he says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. And you can read that psalm at your leisure and how
David, he uh, made out that he was mad, and but the Lord delivered them, delivered him, and saved his life at that time. And we read in other psalms how they compassed him about like these. And we think of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ with the multitudes round about him, those that took him, those that brought him to the judgment hall, those that spat upon him, mocked him, uh, whipped him, those that brought him to the cross and then gathered round about and said, he saved others himself, he cannot save. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Words prophesied a thousand years before in Psalm 22, our Lord uttering there upon the cross. No deliverance as coming down from the cross. He must die. Jehoshaphat was delivered, but our Lord, he cries. But his cry into thy hands, I commit my spirit. He yields up his spirit to his Father. Our Lord laying down his life for his people in the place of his people. Those things that the people of God have walked in, many times the word warns us of putting ourselves in the position that the Lord was in. We are warned against being surety for a, a stranger, lest we suffer for it. But our Lord became surety for those he knew had sinned, those he knew he would have to pay their debt for. We are warned not to join together like with the ungodly. But in due time Christ died for the ungodly. He suffered the just for the unjust to bring us to God. And that which the Lord endured was from his own people. He came unto his own, his own received them not. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And yet what our Lord endured, these Old Testament saints, those that walked by faith, those that cried truly in faith to the Lord, we're trusting in the Lord's promise, trusting in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ is set forth in the shadows, the types, and in the Old Testament worship. Jehoshaphat, when he cries to the Lord, he seeks that help in the only name given among men whereby we must be saved, and that help in the eternal Son of God, helping God himself, I have laid help upon one that is mighty, one chosen out from the people. Let thy hand be upon the man at thy right hand, the son of man, whom thou madest strong for thyself. So, dear friends, when we are in trouble, when we are compassed about with enemies, with adversaries, may we look to the same place. Look to Calvary, look to the Lord Jesus Christ, Look to his promises. Our cry for help be from there. In the end of Psalm 25, Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Jehoshaphat being brought out of his trouble here. 
was only so because he was redeemed out that Christ would shed his blood for him. And so we have not only times when literal men, women may be surrounding us and troubles like Jehoshaphat was in, but sometimes it is with our own sins, with the iniquities of our heart rising up over our head, our besetting sins, those things that spew up from within. We may feel overwhelmed in that. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Or it may be that in providences that we have united trials meet, the hymn writer says will show a path of safe retreat. Things all around us conspiring to bring us down, reduce us low, bring us into a low place. Maybe it is spiritually and we feel threatened with death. Unbelief rises up, doubts, fears. The enemy says there is no God, there is no help from God. And they're all trying to extinguish the precious life of God within. In times like that, we can be, feel completely surrounded, compassed about to fighting against us. And what a remedy, what an answer is given here. But Jehoshaphat cried out. May that be said of, of us when we rehearse all what is around us and all we're going through, but, and then our name put there, cried out. And then may it be added as well, and the Lord helped him. So I want to look then lastly at how the Lord did help him, how he answered those cries that he made unto the Lord. We read here, and the Lord helped him. How many times in scripture is put the Lord helping someone? But there's many, many different ways the Lord helps. And may we really notice that in our lives. Our help is in the name of the Lord which made heaven and earth. That's a great statement, a blessed statement. But there'll be many times that we'll need help. And it is the Lord that chooses out what help we need. How in some ways we might think we haven't been helped. But then when we look back we realise that the Lord has helped in the way he has seen fit. And that which was taking away our own plans, our own purposes changing them, rearranging them, which we felt to be against us at the first, has actually been a help. Remember, dear Jacob says, all these things are against me. And that was only just before he knew that his son Joseph was yet still alive and governor over Egypt. The Lord's helps are seen in the light of eternity in the reality, in truth, and what is good for our souls, not just our bodies. Our Lord's help, we, we need to leave 
in his hand as to how he actually helps us. But here is very clearly stated, and the Lord helped him. Well, how did the Lord help him? We read is what happened further, and I thought us reading this account, how easy it would be for the devil to say, well, the Lord didn't help. It just happened. It just happened. We read it came to pass that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back again from pursuing him. Well, that's not the help of the Lord. All it was, there was the, the captains of the chariots perceived there is not the king of Israel. The Lord, that's not the Lord's help. Who made them perceive that? Who made them realise that? I think you know there's many times we pass over the help of the Lord for this very reason. We think it would have happened anyway. We, we, we didn't really see <clears throat> that help of the Lord. We pass over it. Why we or another person has been inclined to go to this place or that place or phone up that supplier or to seek help with this person or that person. We overlook the timings of the Lord. We overlook the looking back and seeing what the Lord has actually done. We're too prone to ascribe something to chance so we might not use those words or to that which would have happened anyway as to actually being the Lord helping. We are told here clearly the Lord helped him and God moved them to depart from him but not forcing them unnaturally, not even doing what we would say is a miracle, and yet it was a miracle. But how it's come to pass here is, is just that those round about just perceived, came into their minds, oh, this is not the king of Israel. And they don't think, well, we will kill him anyway. He's obviously a king. The captains have said only fight against the king of Israel. It won't hurt just to get rid of the king of Judah as well. They didn't. They moved away. And so I really desire that in the message this morning, there's some lessons to, to really remember, isn't there? is the joining together with the ungodly in agreements, in working together, don't do it. There is when we are in places we've got ourselves into, never give up, cry to the Lord, pray to the Lord. And then when the Lord answers, don't just think, well, it would have happened anyway. Notice the Lord's answer. May we be helped to really believe through this passage, looking at those answers that we've had. 
the changes in the circumstances, to bring safely through what it would have been if it hadn't have happened, if, if the Lord hadn't have answered, hadn't have appeared. May there be things that really remain with us. Maybe then we go home this, this morning and we have to give thanks. And we have to praise the Lord for what we haven't already, that we do now perceive it was the Lord. It was the Lord's hand. There's a vital thing that we do. We don't actually read it here, but we are to give thanks and praise to the Lord for his deliverances. In Psalm 107, again, it, 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 it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord, that they would give thanks. We are so backward to do it so often. So may we know something of the path of Jehoshaphat here, thinking of this, Word and the Lord helped him. But Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him and God moved them to depart from him. The Lord bless the word. Amen.